all have different core values. Go back to your core values, first of all, okay? What's important to you? That, that, and, 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 it, and if you know what's important to you, then you can then start to create, as you would say at the beginning, how to then create a purpose and a vision, right? You've got to get, you've got to then be committed to that, right? What is it that you really want to do in life? Join me on my mission to create a new tomorrow as I chat with industry experts, elite athletes, thought leaders, and government officials about how we activate our vision for a better world. We may agree and we may disagree, but I'm not backing down. I'm Ari Gronich, and this is Create a New Tomorrow Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Create a New Tomorrow. I am your host, Ari Gronich, and today I have with me Adam Strong. Met with him a little bit ago while he was in Cyprus. Now he's in Scandinavia. He's been doing amazing things to solve the world's uh, plastic pollution problem as well as having been a uh, ultra marathoner, I believe, or an extreme athlete. He's worked with uh, Olympics and so on. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what makes you tick, but also why plastic? <laughs> That's where well, there's about two or three questions there. So what I'll do is I'll try to break them down in, in, into mini segments, if that's okay, Ari. So first of all, thanks very much for letting me on the show. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the show. It's it's a great show. And uh, and I love it. The fact that you've got, you know, some great guests as well. So thanks very much. Really appreciate that. Um, so my background, as you know, uh, and just for the listeners, for the for for the, for the point of the listeners, is my background is that I actually got into elite athletics at the age of eleven. So when I grew up, um, things were quite tough, right? So I suffered from uh, a condition called alopecia. As you can see, I have no hair, uh, and haven't had hair since the age of ten. Um, and so, did it bother me back uh, when it, when I was younger? I was. I went through a transitional period. Like when I first lost my hair, it really did affect my self-esteem and self-confidence, right? As it would do with any kind of um, yeah, child and whatever it might be. But it really affected me. And so I was so ashamed about the way that I looked. And I was so conscious about what people were thinking about me. Obviously, you know, judgments and stuff like that and so forth. And so I was... I, when I, when I went through school, like through high school and stuff, I wore a sports cap because I just felt so kind of ashamed about the way I looked. I, even if you look through my school photos, Ari, right. I was the only kid that was allowed to wear a school cap with my like blazer and stuff like that. Right. It was crazy. So anyway, um, cut long story short at the age of 11, I, um, my, my father at the time, he, he, he said to me, um, cause he, he knew I was going through some tough times and he took up some long, long distance running at the time. He was like, Hey son, why don't you get into long distance running? I'm like, well, you know, I, 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 it's a bit difficult dad because I'm an asthma sufferer, you know? And, you know, and, and he was like, well, why don't you just try it? And I'm like, okay, well I'll go try it. Well, what have I got to, what have I got to lose? Right. So I remember going down to the athletics track. I went down in there on my own because my mother and father were separated at the time. So I was living with my mother. So I walked down, I goes down to the athletics track, which is at least 30 minutes from my house. And I go there on my own. And the reason I was there on my own is purely because I didn't have 
the mentors and, and sort of the coaches and the support that I had when I was a kid, um, you know, everything that I did was literally off my own back. So I went down to the, down to the athletics track and I remember Ari turning up the, up, up at the athletics track and, um, where the counter was, the counter just appeared to be about 10 foot high. And so I was this kid trying to look up and I was like, Hey, is anybody there? Hello. <laughs> and so there was this lady that kind of looked over and she was like, Hey, I didn't see you there. And so, um, she's like, Hey, can, how can I help? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in joining your running club. And I was like, okay, cool. So, um, so what's your experience? Well, I was like, I don't really have any experience. Um, and uh, she was like, no worries. Well, what are you interested in? I was like, I'm interested in distance running. My dad's been doing it for a little while. And he seems to think that it might help with my self-esteem and self-confidence. She says, okay, cool. So she walks me down to the athletics track. And all I see, Ari, are all these athletes, right? Field athletes, track athletes. And I'm like, whoa, this is way out of my league. Like, seriously, this is way out of my league and I'm getting uncomfortable. I'm already thinking, I'm already thinking I'm no good for this, right? I'm not, I'm, I'm never going to be any, any better than these guys. And so I'm already comparing myself to these strangers, right? And I'm, I'm and, you know, it's not my fault. And so I'm already thinking I'm going to give up before I've even started. Anyway, cut a long story short. Um, she says, um, I'm going to introduce you to one of our coaches. I was like, great, fantastic. And, uh, he takes like the, uh, the, the long distance to middle distance group. And so, um, and then obviously I told her about my asthma and she went, Oh, okay, no worries. And so I'd kind of, um, it really it was really tough for me, Ari, when I first started getting started, because as being an asthma sufferer, and I don't know if you're an asthma sufferer yourself, but when you're an asthma sufferer, you know, doing, um, <laughs> the long distance running is it it's a bit different, right? So, um, I first started off, I couldn't even run a hundred meters. That's how difficult it was for me. A hundred meters was real tough for me. And so over a period of time, I just thought to myself after my first session, right? I was like, okay, I'm going to go back and see if I can try to improve myself. Right. I'm going to see if I can improve myself and just through persistence and developing tenacity, I started to get better and better and better. Within six months, my asthma had completely disappeared. <laughs> you know, six months, Ari, that's crazy. And you're probably it thinking, is. wow, that's amazing. It's amazing, you know, because I, I, I had uh, what they called exercise-induced or allergy-induced asthma, either one. Right. So, uh, and I was a long-distance cycler growing up, so I would do oh. 100, 150-mile rides, um, from my town in Santa Clarita Valley all the way over the mountain to Malibu or Santa Monica. That's tough. Back. So we'd, we'd go and we'd swim around and we'd hang out and then we'd come back. But I was always the last guy. I would do it. I would do it. But I was always the last guy because I couldn't, I couldn't really get the breath uh, right. to, to flow within, you know, a good athlete's cadence. Right. Mm -hmm. So, hundred percent. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, literally I, I, I completely 100% know where you're coming from on that one. Um, and it's interesting. So I, I got introduced to my coach and when he got to the, so we have the winter season and the summer season. So when the winter season kicks in, things get really tough because, you know, you go down to minus temperatures and I, this is where I started. This is where I actually met my training partner, who's the current world and Olympic world champion in five and 10,000 meters we um and we really didn't have that 
it, we were quite similar in our own ways. He came from Somalia originally. So he was a, a, an immigrant originally, came to the UK and lived with his, with his aunt. Uh, to get away from the war and famine in 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 somalia and so um he also was similar to myself he was bullied um you know didn't particularly have a lot of friends kind of introverted very similar and so what we did is we actually used our i suppose um not not really weaknesses but i suppose our our state of mind to really kind of bounce off each other so as we started training around the dark field at the back of the running track because no one else would ever go there without any floodlights um we would kind of like encourage each other to to to, to push harder and, and and go harder and and try to beat our times and so we would use that uh, it's a bit like going to the gym Ari, right if you go to the gym you're going to work harder with a training buddy right right exactly it's, it's exactly the same thing and so we did it and we we made it fun for ourselves and i think that's probably one of the reasons why i just consistently just kept on going back because i just i just love that edge i just developed this appetite of competition and and i love that i think i you know i never had that before but that's how i developed it i just wanted to i wanted to win you know <laughs> now, so now Here's the thing that you and I talked about, I think, a little bit, but you wanted to win, but you weren't really racing against the other people. We talked about this a little bit. You were wanting to win against the previous version of yourself. Yeah. And that's something that I always would teach to the athletes that I was training is you're not in competition with the guy next to you. If you get into competition with the guy next to you, that's when you miss the gun, so to speak, when you know, your false starts and you get nervous and you don't have everything else in alignment. When you work on yourself is when, and you're in competition with yourself is when you're like, you're in that ultra focused state of flow. 100%. I literally, within sort of a year or so, I, I'd learned a lot of the skills that a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners really seek, but it takes, it takes habit it takes years of practice and, and tenacity to to really master those skills you know that you mentioned focus so for me my yes i was competing against myself but my my real big thing that i really wanted to do was always try to beat my time that was my compet that was my co co competition mm -hmm. to try to beat my previous time all the time and and that motivated me so much that i just wanted to keep going back to try to to beat it beat it over and over and over and again and within a short period of time literally i was absolutely crushing it so you know and i think it was just kind of that development really over a set period of time awesome now back to the plastics because <laughs> completely completely separate topics right completely what? or so you'd think absolutely no it, it, it you, you yes or no so um being in sort of in the western world you know i mean you're in the united states i'm in kind of europe so i always grew up you know in a an environment where you know recycling was important save the planet sustainability things like that right and so you know it was ingrained into our culture to to look after the planet because hey you only get one planet right you know it's the, right so i as you know ari I, I was living in i just came back from cyprus and i was living there for about seven months um the reason i was there is purely because they wanted to get away from the darkness um <laughs> and somewhere go somewhere which is a little bit a little bit more paradise um and warmer but anyway cut long story short um as i went i was as i was there um 
going i don't know if any of you listeners have been to cyprus but it's been like going back in a time warp by about 25 years i kid you not and so one of the things which which i which was shocking so one of my regular routines was in the morning was to walk down to the beach and it's kind of my form of meditation ari right you know like the fresh air blue skies you know you go for a walk along the beach and that kind of stuff and so every time i took a walk i would see all this plastic being washed up from the sea and it wasn't just necessarily washed up by the sea but it was just like dumped or there was just this sheer lack of love and appreciation um and so um i would take my trash bags down there and i would bring up back at least two bags of of plastic trash you know every time i'd walk down there and i just thought to myself hey this is really annoying like this is really to the point where it's pissing me off excuse my french but it, it really is annoying me and 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 the thing is it it, it really developed into this kind of anger in a sense that i was doing something for the planet but no one really cared right. and and to me it really and, and so it, as i developed this anger i started to create this visionary and this vision was is that hang on a second you know i'm pretty successful in what i do in what i do as an entrepreneur but that's what entrepreneurs do is they come up with these new visions and so i created this new this new vision just came into my head and now we're in the process of uh you know creating uh we, we're going to be raising investments soon we're going to be building up massive brand awareness and we're going to be fixing some of those uh challenges especially in uh i mean the the world is uh should I say it's 70% ocean anyway. So I managed to create a, a piece of technology where well, it's not just a piece of technology. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be an apps. It's going to be a movement more than anything else. So I'm excited about that more than anything else, because it's for me, it's not about, this isn't about me. Like business is never about me. It's always about what can I do for others? Well, how can I serve others? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because when you spend time in nature, you end up taking a look at it and becoming aware. And it's really hard to not see the things that you see when you're aware of them. Yeah. So here's one of my questions to you is you've developed, you, you are out there on a regular basis and developed that awareness. Others have an awareness that something's going on uh, let, let's just say we'll put their recycle in the recycle bin and think that it's being recycled, but they'll never know that 99% of what you put in the recycle bin is not going to be recycled, right? There, there's, there's so much um, that we are told do this, but it's not being effective. So how do people understand that they've been told for 25, 30, 40 years now reuse, recycle, right? But the things that they're doing aren't being effective. So how do we get to a place where the people are doing the things that they're told and it's being effective because those systems are in place to make it effective? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, but I think, it's all, I think the, the word that comes to my mind is all about education, you know? it's it's about education not just like and i and i said to you I, you know I, I came back from cyprus cyprus is like you know living back in sort of the 1990s <laughs> and and so we live in the 21st century now right and so it's about 
the, the the challenge is is that you've got different cultures so western world culture is very different from say africa it's very different from mediterranean life and and so it's about educating going into schools and educating the children and that's where it's really got to start from yeah, my but, perspective okay so that it, to me that feels like that's what's been done so like yeah. i was in elementary school and right. i'm old now and i was in elementary school listening to, about recycling and so I guess my point is I, I no longer feel like it is the people like it's like same thing with food and obesity. Right. Right. People are eating nonfat. They're eating sugar free. They're eating. Oh, what? Wait. Now I'm now the fat, you know, the results are completely the opposite of what they say we're doing. So the education Yes, is important, but it has to be correct information, number one, or education. True. But number two, it's like you're creating a technology, right? Hmm. There's so many technologies out there to help clean things that are not being used. So I guess the question is, how do we get the public educated enough to where they become activated to force change to happen Versus just going, oh, well, it, you know, I see plastic everywhere and I, I'm completely yeah. unable to, to change it. You know, that's a million dollar question. And, and, and that's a very, very good point. I think from my perspective that leadership starts from the top. And so really what has to happen really is that you have to start um, getting in front of governments, world leaders, disruptors influencers um you know and create documentaries i mean one of my um, role models ari one of my role models is, is sir david attenborough i don't know if you have known as sir david attenborough but he is um in, he's a, a british chap he's in his 90s and literally he does documentaries for the bbc mainly and so all of his things is all around educating, going to the UN and, and, and talking to world leaders about the fact that, you know, if you continue to abuse the planet the way it is, then it's going to there's going to be repercussions off the back of that. Right. You know, your children and your children's children, they're not going to enjoy the way that we enjoy life. So, you know, and then things get extinct and so forth. So in with, with answers to your question, it really has to start with the top and, uh, you know, and sure, there's there's only the little man, which is kind of me as, as such. Right. <laughs> but effectively, if you're going to become if you if you really going to want to create a ripple, if you like, and become that kind of uh, the face of then the face of a particular movement or whatever it is, then you've really got to start by getting some big support from some of the influencers and, and, and thought leaders that are out there. Gotcha. So I guess I go back, you know, I, I ask tougher questions than most, I guess, on, on this show. Um, and, and I guess what I'm, what I'm looking at is see, you're doing something actively to solve a problem, right? To create a different result. And my question, I guess, goes back to what do we need to do not to educate the government because they're educated. They already have all the scientists telling them all the facts. They haven't done anything about it. Right. So if I'm like a, I'm a performance therapist, I I'm all about results, getting results. If I have an athlete who's injured and they need to go get a gold medal and we don't get them the results, then they lose millions of dollars. And you know, there's all kinds of things at stake with not getting sure. results. Well, sure. we had, 50 years of not getting results. So my questions become like, 
activate. You're a, you're going to be a leader. You're going to be moving, create, you know, creating a movement for plastic, right? How many of the people who are creating the movement for plastic have you already connected with, right? And and said, okay, I see what you're doing. Here's what I'm doing. Can we make this more effective? And then do that with the government as well. I mean, that's just my my 10 cents on it. But I, if I'm looking at, I want results and I know you're going to be somebody who's going to be producing results. Then I want to know as an audience, as a, as a person, like, how do I connect with you? How do I get results too? So that I don't have to live with plastic on my beaches. Sure. Well, I think everyone plays a, plays an important role in, in everything. Right. But I think what's what the, the key word that comes to my mind is collaboration. No one man, no one woman, no, no one piece of technology, software, whatever it might be. No creative invention is going to fix one huge, massive thing. At the end of the day, it starts through collaboration. It starts by working together. That's that's the big thing, uh, Ari. Uh, it, it can't be done otherwise because uh, there's only so much I can do in the world. And there's only so much you can do in the world. But ultimately, we all have to collaborate and synergize. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, we've seen, especially over the last 18 months, where there's a big reset of the world and you are seeing like habitats flourish, uh, evolution, new species are, are coming in because there's no humans about. Do you know what I mean? And so it's kind of interesting. There was this great documentary again by Sir David Attenborough, and he was just talking about the fact that cities were deserted. And, and and now we've got all these uh, new ecosystems and habitats that have been created. Um, but ultimately, Ari, it is all around um, building, working together in unity, in synergy, and collaborating, working towards one movement. So I have a particular vision, but in order to have that vision uh, really kind of, I suppose, really take its toll and really kind of get the res desired results is for everyone to really jump on board if you like and really kind of understand the the real purpose and the real why as to why we're doing it so what is what is like the thing that you say to somebody who i don't believe in climate change or um, you know, what I'm doing as part of the on this planet is not going to affect the planet. It's stronger than I am. You know, like there, there's so many arguments that people are making conspiracy theories that people are making. And so I like to like cut all of that shit out. There's, right. As, as if, if, if there is no conspiracy theory, if, if there is no climate change, Sure. The only thing we're doing is looking down the road and seeing a whole bunch of crap on the road that, you know, <laughs> looks like it should be clean. Right. Isn't that enough to get somebody to clean up? Well, obviously not. But, you know, this is where I where I like to take take it is. What's so difficult about the concept? Get rid of all the morality theory, you know. Because not everyone believes what you believe. And it's all about belief systems, right? So what my opinion and my belief systems about how I see the world and how I see perspective and the environment and the plastic is very different from the way you see it, and the way the, the guy in Manhattan sees it. it. At the end of the day, it's all very subjective. So the idea really is like for, from my uh, 
and and I hope that I'm kind of um, singing off the same same hymn note here is that there's no point in forcing someone to really understand, you know, like if if I if someone kind of questioned me and said, well, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Well, what are you doing? Type of thing, right? There's no right or wrong. It's a it's very it's very opinionated and very subjective. At the end of the day, it's about like for me, the environment is like the environment and the ocean uh the reason why it's so important to me is because number one i enjoy water sports scuba diving snorkeling all of those things i enjoy doing so why would i want to you know swim with all that plastic rather than swim with the fish right that just that's just stupid right but listen no what not everyone we're all different we're all different we all have our different opinions different value core values but at the end of the day um You've got to do what you feel was right, you know. That's kind of from 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 my perspective. Hope so, that answers the question. So that would be yeah, that would be good on a micro level, a micro level of individual, right? So then I go to the next level, which is technology. So there are companies that uh, have the technology to clean up stuff that aren't. There's systems in place and government in place, incentives in place to pollute rather than to not pollute. Yep. And so that next question becomes, how do we regulate again or systemize in the government good behavior of the corporations and the people who are actually affecting massive audience or macro, you know, environment versus just those micro? Yeah, it's, it's, it's another good question. And what I would say is, from my perspective, plastic pollution is, it's, it's, it's vast, like, people really don't understand how such big a problem it is, but it is so enormous. It's, it's unreal. It's probably unthinkable. Why would, why would I go and tackle something as huge as that? Right. That's probably what some of your listeners are probably thinking, but the question is, is why not? And why, why not me? You know, that, 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 and so why should I, at the end of the day, yes, you're right. There is technology out there, but I, I think if you provide, if you provide the decision makers with the right data and what I mean by the right data, let me, let me give an example, right? So if I was to collect data using AI between um, say I was surveying, say the Mediterranean sea, right? And I was also surveying, say, I don't know, the English channel. I just use that as an example, right? Through AI, I can then pick up, you know, and monitor to see if there's, you know, a lot of plastic in that particular area. That's then going to be able to help us focus on specific areas in the world where we can say, okay, well, there are shipping lanes which go across it, and all of the uh, cargo ships are dumping their shit into the sea. And so what are we going to do about that, right? That means that we're going to then send out our drones. We're going to then provide proof. We can then prosecute. We can do whatever it is. And therefore, we can then uh, do something about it because at the end of the day because plastic pollution is such a big problem and yes we all know about you know the need to clean up and the benefits and the reasons why but if you've got hardcore facts about where to focus what to do and who to go after then it becomes a different ball game gotcha i like that measure first in functional medicine with a you know clinical diagnosis it's always Test, 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 measure, first. <laughs> get the numbers right. If you get the numbers right, you, you're, you're golden. Um, 
here, here's the, the crux of it though. Some of those numbers aren't going to matter to people. Sure. Right? So when, when I'm looking at something like this, right, the plastic, not, it's not just plastic pollution harming environment. It's the plastic estrogen that's harming our own bodies. That's causing kids to go through puberty at five and six years old instead of, at, you know, normal age. It's all of the illnesses and the diseases. It's all those other things, right? For real, for real. And so I guess where I, where I, I'm such a, like, I want so much, you know, <laughs> I want so much. I, I should on people a lot, right? I should on people a lot. And here's my thing about incentives, about the world and the environment. There's so many reasons that we haven't even thought of that would be a good idea to take care of certain problems like plastic, like any of the pollution. But I then go back to, I remember growing up in my hometown and you couldn't see the mountain in front of you. It was right. so smoggy there. And when California said, no companies, you have to have regulation that's going to control the smog. All yep. of a sudden that smog lifted and you could see blue again. And it was like years since I had seen blue. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I go, okay, well, even if I have conspiracy theories, even if I think capitalism is awesome and we should be able to do anything we want, as a human being, I sit in the world going, this, I don't like how I feel. I don't like what I see. And so I want to make a change. And I know that not everybody does that, but there are ways I think that can make it easier for them if the systems are designed. Like when they go take their there's recycling their cans and bottles out to recycle. Right. And making sure that the companies are recycling that stuff. We have the technology. It's kind of funny. I watched a documentary on this recently. We have the technology to do it, but they haven't implemented or set up the technology at most of the community cities, states because of money and yet, so you're, you're, so as the audience member here, you're putting your stuff in the plastic bin and it's going with everything else. Yep. And that to me is like, how do we get that to shift? How do we get these companies to be good actors instead of bad actors? How do we, and then make awareness so that people will hold them accountable since the government's obviously not doing it. Absolutely, hundred percent. And 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 a good example of this is I remember actually. So here's a really good example of for me. When I was over in Cyprus, and I used to do these. You know, I used to, as I said, as I described to you, I used to do. We, me and my family, used to do these plastic pickups on a daily basis, right? And so you'd get like these shipping bags, and on the shipping bags, it would even have the address of the person that actually decided to dump their shit in the sea, right? How stupid is that, right? It had China shipping, and it even had the address, and I'm like. Am I missing a trick here or something? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, so, you know, that, yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to kind of say that, but that, you know, I, I just found that kind of, well, in a way, it's hilarious, but in another way, it's sad, um, you know, how, you know, people treat the world. But, you know, you're absolutely right. Companies need to be accounted for. Um, and uh, the only way that can be done is by saying, here, Sunny Jim, this is what you've done. Here's the proof. Now you need to cough up. Yeah, exactly. So 
you know, that's one of the places that I want people as they're listening to this kind of, you know, these shows, I want them to go, oh, that's me. I'm a lawyer. I can do that. You know, that's me. I'm, a, I'm an environmentalist. I could do that part. This is me. I'm a, I can do this. That's what I want people to get when they listen to these shows. So what are some things that, that you would think of are things that the audience members could say, oh, yeah, I could do that? Reframe the question for me again. I just have to think about that. Okay. So I want people when they're listening to the show to have things that they can do that they'll say, oh, yes, I can do that. And I can get started on that now. Uh Instead of what most people do, which is I like the idea, don't know how to get started, not going to do anything, not really inspired to do it. Mm -hmm. So you know, this show is about activating your vision for a better world. It's about how do we actively do the things that we're talking about instead of just talking about them. Yeah. So how do we, you know, what are some things that people can do when they're listening to this and say, I want, I could do that. I could get involved in this part. I could get involved in that. Well, I think it, um, so there's a number, there's an, and I'll just tell you from personal experience, Ari, right? Because I think that's probably best, right? So number one is that you, and it, I go back to core foundations. We all have different core values. Go back to your core values, first of all, okay? What's important to you? That, that, and, 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 it, and if you know what's important to you, then you can then start to create, as you would say at the beginning, how to then create a purpose and a vision, right? You've got to get, you've got to then be committed to that, right? What is it that you really want to do in life, right? And it, <laughs> and, and, and it doesn't have to be so extreme like I am, which is kind of solving the world's plastic pollution problem. It could be something really, really simple. It could be something like, I don't know, save the milkman in Manhattan, for example. I don't know, whatever, right? But you get my point, right? So the, the thing is, number one, be committed to your vision. Okay, that's the first thing. Secondly, it, ideas are ideas are shit without execution, right? You've got to you've got to act on what you do. If you're going to say you're going to do something, then you've got to be accountable for that at the end of the day. So make sure you've got a good, a, at least a good coach or a mentor to really kind of push you on and to make you accountable for 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 that. That's extremely important. Um, and and also, um, I was going to say, just if you believe you've got to believe in it, whether it be a product, a service, uh, a movement, whatever it might be, you have to believe in it more than anybody else. Because if you don't believe in it, if you don't believe in yourself, if you don't believe in what you're doing, then guess what? It's not going to work because without belief systems, that's basically the core foundation of everything. Um, And that to me, if you don't, you need to have those in place. Once you've got those things in place, then you can execute. Then you can start to think about how you can build trust, how you can make collaborations and how you can then turn that into, well, depend on what, what is it that you want to do? Can it be monetized? Is it for a charity or whatever it is, but everything should be able to, you should be able to monetize things and whatever it is. So does that help? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and one of the things that I like is that you're, you're like me taking the passion and turning it into a career because what are you doing on this planet? If you're not enjoying your life and if you're not doing the work of something that you enjoy, then, you know, we're, we're just living a a dead life. It's kind of like, 
uh, there's an old uh, saying about, you know, people in cars on the freeways in L.A., you know, driving around in their metal coffins. <laughs> and uh, and that's just the truth. And so it's true. I, I'm always about how do we lift people up out of the circumstances that they find themselves in and re-engage them, reintroduce them to their purpose, to Absolutely. what it is that they really, truly want. And so- have you ever, I was going to say to you, actually, have you ever seen that film, The Matrix? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, most people have seen The Matrix and, and it kind of reminds me like what you're describing is a bit like people who live in The Matrix, right? They just, they're just- so blinkered it's a bit like bill murray's groundhog day i'm sure you've seen that movie where he just kind of the same thing over and over and again right what does he do he sleeps he uh, he 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 eats and he goes to work and those are the only three things that he does until he kind of creates this perceptual awareness about how to try to break the cycle do you know what i mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're doing that all right now you know we're, <laughs> we, we uh, we're definitely on this pendulum of <laughs> we, we did this now we're going to go back here oh wait we did this already now we're going to go back here wait no <laughs> for and, real you know it's funny to me i was i was talking to somebody the other day about the roman empire and uh -huh. just you know the the collapse of the roman empire and what what, what were the, the things that caused that collapse? And um, we in the U.S. and the Western world in general have, our, you know, have like planned, so to speak, by not planning to go down by the way of the dodo, just like the Roman Empire. And I find it fascinating how we're not learning from our mistakes or taking the opportunity to assess and reassess when we're not getting the results that we want. Right. Right. So what are you doing within your, your initiative and within your technology to kind of address those things? Where regards to. With regards to, um, you know, looking at the impact, the results, the, you know, the forethought of what it is you're doing, the planning. What, what am I doing in the planning stages? Yeah. What is the planning stages? And then what is, what is that tech? I, I, I don't like to, to do this as, sure. a, as a show that promotes, but I want to know what you're doing so that if somebody wants to say, oh, yeah, I like that, I can get involved with, with doing that. Well, listen, I can, I can describe, because for me, I'm uh, at the end of the day, no one is going to be able to uh, replicate my vision as such, right? It, we right. all have our own vision. So, for me, um, I'm actually, we're actually designing at the moment. We are our models are we're designing a, a unique boat or a new, unique ship, which is essentially powered with zero fossil fuels. So it's powered through hydrogen and solar panels and also wind energy. So there'll be zero fossil fuels involved uh, as part of that technology as well. Uh, so that's one technology as part of that. So energy saving technology. Secondly. Um, what we're going to be doing is we're creating what they call a boom and a boom will be uh, as the boat is going along, the boom will be like a bit like a, a kind of a half circle um, circumference, which is kind of a, there's going to be a net. Well, it's kind of a net and in between the net, the fish can obviously, you know, they don't get trapped within that, but it collects all the plastic as it kind of trundles along on top of that. We also have, um, 
it's also powered through AI. AI is really, really uh, up and coming at the moment. But everyone knows about buoys. So buoys are good for navigation and shipping and stuff like that. So along with that, we have buoys. So if you can imagine, say, for example, um, I'll just use this as an example. Say I was say I was focusing on um, the Hudson River, right? And so between the Hudson River, between New Jersey and New York, right? Um, and uh, say, just, for, just for, for the hell of it, between the Hudson and, say, New York, say it was the equivalent of, say, t uh, 12 football fields. Within 12 football fields, we would then mark up, and at each corner of the football field, we would place what they call a boy. Within that boy, we also, uh, it, it will send out signals and pick up AI um, by pr telling the boat to go to certain places so it can pick up the data. It's a bit like an electric lawnmower. Electric lawnmowers, which, you know, can be quite bulky, they go up to the end of the lawn and then they turn back or they go in a different direction. It's mm -hmm. exactly the same concept. This is just out in the, in, in the rivers and the seas and the oceans, exactly the same concept. And so what it's doing is it's collecting all the data as it goes along and it's, and it's trying to figure out what are the most pollutant waters in the world? Where is this big focus and where's the big scope? On top of that, there's also going to be drones. So they're going to be sending out long-distance drones. What do what the drones really do? Well, the drones, what they do is, number one, they help monitor the local area. So if there is a, I don't know, say, for example, in a specific area in the Hudson that was heavily polluted and, uh, and, and there was a, a ship passing by, and, uh, and if you put two and two together, they found out that the ship was dumping shit into the sea or into the Hudson, right? Then the drones can then pick up that data and then they can obviously put two and two together and report it back to the authorities. So you've got aerial views, you've got picking up AI, you've got picking up the plastic itself, but actually on the ship, we're actually going to be recycling the plastic as we go along, turning it into either fuel or selling it to companies which can be sold into recyclable products. So there's lots of great things that's going to be part of the, a part of the project. That sounds awesome. How can people get a hold of you if they're, if they're interested in doing some playing with plastics? Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that you're very welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm more active on LinkedIn, of course, um, Instagram. And uh, you can also connect with me um, on my podcast. If you want to look at my podcast as well, the Game Changers Experience as well. I'm happy to connect with you guys on there as well. Appreciate awesome. it. Um, one last, you know, deep question is about microplastics. Yes. And I just want you to talk a little bit about that because... Big plastic is very different, easier to collect. Microplastic obviously is nanoparticles. And so what, what should people do about filtering their water at homes? What should people do to avoid the microplastics? And what is microplastic? What is that, that as an issue? Yeah, it's a good question. So, so microplastics are generally normally fragmented pieces of plastic that's generally come off of a, a bigger piece of plastic. That's generally what microplastics are. Um, and uh, they generally wash up our, our, onto our beaches. So you'll see all those little tiny twigs and little microplastics and whatever it might be. Um, yes, it, believe it or not, 70% of plastic is actually, uh, what they found through research is that 70% of plastic is actually comes from our rivers. So the rivers, when they 
washed down to the ocean. It gets then washed out into the ocean. That's how it affects marine life. So, um, what was I gonna? Uh, what was I gonna say? So the microplastic problem is really, really challenging. What we're doing with our ship is we're actually creating what we call a a vacuum cleaner. So it's going to be picking up all this uh, uh, microplastic as we come along, and then it's going to bundle it up like a, a bit like a when a dung beetle uh, collects all of its stuff. When it, you know what I mean. So it will collect like a dung beetle type of thing and and form balls of these microplastics or whatever it might be. But it's a real challenge, really big challenge. What can consumers do? Yes, of course you mentioned filter water and things like that, hundred um, percent. But I think. Um, you know, just do your bit for the planet, really. That's kind of what I would say uh, from my perspective, which is probably not the answer that you're probably looking for right now, but it is new technology and it is new things that we need to work on to, to make that work. Yeah, I just, I, I guess I tell people to do the water thing. I was selling water filters when I was 18 years old. <laughs> That's cool. And we used to go into restaurants and so on, and we'd bring with us a, a portable water filter Again, this is before Brita. It was before they were popular. It was before. Right. And so um, we would go into the restaurants with TPM meters and, um, and chlorine testers and stuff. And so we would, oh, look how many parts per million are in here, you know, and how, <laughs> how many, <laughs> look how much chlorine's in this. Your pool should be here. This is here. <laughs> uh, and, and we would, that was how we got business, really. I mean, we would literally go in there and, people would look at us and go, Oh, that's in my water. You know, I can't drink that. <laughs> but unless somebody's showing them the proof right in front of them, it's really difficult, you know? Yeah. But, um, there are so many reasons and plastics are, are one of the main ones these days because they are estrogen producers. They're what's called xenoestrogens that yes. basically cause your body's hormonal system to deregulate and not function properly. And so that's part of why it's so important. So for if anybody is listening to this and going, ah, that's not really for me. If you're drinking water and breathing air, <laughs> this is for you. So I just wanted to kind of, you know, get your take on that as well, because I think people don't realize how much of the world is affecting them because they just don't know about what it is that's happening to them. Sure. Absolutely. Well, some, sometimes it can be a lack of awareness and lack of education, but sometimes it can also be ignorance. This is true. <laughs> and that, that ignorance, that lack of that, the, the willful ignorance, I understand is kind of what you're saying is willful ignorance versus Absolutely. ignorance, but willful, willful ignorance is probably one of the most devastating things to uh, our environment, but also to our people. Willful environment, willful ignorance is what I, you know, say is the reason why a bully can be a bully. Absolutely. Because, you know, the willful silence and ignorance of everybody else. So anyway, anything that you'd like to, to leave the audience with any gems, anything else? I mean, you, this has been a great interview so far and I know I've challenged you a little bit more than most. So, <laughs> well, listen, I like, uh, first of all, I, I like the challenges. Um, you know, I'm always fascinated by people that ask, um, really good questions. So I, I just want to say thank you for that. I really appreciate that. Um, 
my last words of wisdom for your audience? Well, I, I think it depends entirely where people are at, you know, so we're all at, we're all on different journeys. Okay. And my thing is, is that, you know, don't mold yourself around what other people want, what you think that other people want you to be right. Don't, I never give a shit about what other people's opinions and nor should you at the end of the day, you got to do what you feel is going to be aligned to your core values. Number one, it, it, it creates happy. It makes you happy and fulfilled. And number, number three, like <clears throat> for me, what makes me happy and fulfilled? Like when I get out of bed, Ari, it's not money that motivates me. Okay. It's my, my, my higher calling, my, my purpose, my biggest fear is to be, is to leave this planet where I feel insignificant. That's my biggest fear. I, I guess my question to your audience is what is your biggest fear? What do you fear the most? And what is it that you, if you was to leave this earth, if you was to leave this world, what is the biggest thing that you fear in your life? Mine is insignificance, right? Whatever that looks like to you, it might be different to you. It might be that you don't feel fulfilled. You might not be happy, whatever it is. But just focus on something that is, is, is true and is aligned to you. That's kind of what I wanted to say. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And I know the audience has gotten a lot out of this. So. This has been another episode of Create a New Tomorrow. I'm your host, Ari Gronich. Thank you so much for being here, where we're every day trying to create a new tomorrow and activate our vision for a better world. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate all you do to create a new tomorrow for yourself and those around you. If you'd like to take this information further and are interested in joining a community of like-minded people who are all passionate about activating their vision for a better world, go to the website, createanewtomorrow.com and find out how you can be part of making a bigger difference. I have a gift for you just for checking it out and look forward to seeing you take the leap and joining our private paid mastermind community. Until then, see you on the next episode.